0: reading from the book of James, the fifth chapter. And then I'm going to take you into the Old Testament to the book of First Kings, chapter 17. And we're going to look at a character in Scripture that the Scripture, the Bible says, closely parallels our own life. But in the book of James, the fifth chapter, In James, the fifth chapter, James writing to the church, to the believer about patience in their affliction in verse number seven and uh, being patient and uh, long enduring uh, the things that happen and remembering that the Lord's promises are not slack, that God's going to keep his word. He leads them into Uh, A focus on prayer and uh, I want to pick up at verse number 12 of the fifth chapter and I'm going to read down through verse number number 18 beginning in verse number 12 but above all things my brethren swear not neither by heaven neither by the earth neither by any other oath but let your yea be yea and your nay nay. Lest you fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him uh, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him. With oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins. They shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another. That you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer Of a righteous man or a righteous woman. So if you want to put it in that terminology. He was not speaking of man as a gender. But man as as a creation. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Everybody say availeth much. And then he goes into... um, uh, An explanation of a man named Elijah that comes to us from the Old Testament. And he says this about Elijah. Elijah was a man subject to like passion as we are. Everybody say he was like us. He was of like passion as we are. He was In the same kind of feelings is a literal translation of that particular phrase. He has the same kind of feelings that we have. And the Bible said, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. That's a powerful prayer to pray that there would be no rain on the earth and there'd be no rain for three and a half years. And the Bible said, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. And everybody said, Amen. I think all of us at some point in our life wonder if, what we are doing really matters. I think everybody that lives, if you are breathing tonight, I think all of us at some point in our life wonder not only if it matters, but if our efforts mean anything, whatever it is that we are trying to accomplish in life. I think all of us fear uh, the the, the thought that our life would be in vain or our efforts would be in vain. No one wants to do all that you can do in life sometimes to make things work out and to see things happen and to uh, believe God for certain things and then for none of that to happen, for your life to end up uh, just in a sense of frustration. None of us want to think that our efforts are in vain. That somehow what we are doing, whether it's praying or coming to the house of God or just being faithful. I told you this a few weeks ago that sometimes there's victory in just showing up. You know, we think we have to have goosebumps and we've got to feel all of these. Feelings, but sometimes just showing up is, an, is a victory in itself. Because if the devil had his way and our flesh had its way, we would not even be here tonight. But thank God you're here. And so being here is a victory in itself. And I, you ought to clap your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, if for nothing else I want it to be known tonight that I am here. Amen. Now, that's not an excuse for not trying, and that's not an excuse for not doing something, but there is a victory in just showing up. But we all want to feel like our life makes a difference. And in whatever it is that we're trying to do, whether we're working uh, in the Sunday school department of a church, or we're in the choir, or we are teaching, uh, acts classes, or we're trying to do Bible studies, or we're trying to just visit people and encourage them. All of us want to, want to feel like what we are doing is making a difference. There, there are times I, I will admit to you that I, I walk out of this pulpit wondering if it made any difference whatsoever. If I had said hoopty doopty do, would it have been any different? Uh, but that's just me. That's the preacher. Uh, that that's those are the things that a preacher wrestles with because sometimes I don't get to see the results. I'm not like all of you housekeepers that can go in and take a cake mix out of the uh, out of the uh, uh, pantry, or, or like Sister Jones just pull it out of nothing she is so gifted at at cooking and she doesn't need uh, a cake mix she knows the ingredients (laughs) Uh, but there's there's you know that you you put all of that together and then you get to step back and in 35 or 40 minutes you get to see the result you pull out of that oven a pie or a cake or you get through working on a problem and you can step back and see but A preacher's work is not always like that. I can work on people for years and years and years and never see any outward sign that anything's going on. So, But everybody's like that. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Every person feels like that there are times when what we are doing doesn't really matter. It doesn't make a difference. And that's a very frustrating feeling. But... I don't think there is anywhere that we feel a sense of inadequacy like we do when it comes to prayer. I think all of us at some point in our life struggle with the issue of prayer. What's the purpose of it? And when we do pray, what does it produce? And we prayed and nothing happened. How many a times have we prayed and we say nothing happens? But you listen to me tonight. You will never pray and nothing happen. Never. You will never pray and nothing happen. Prayer does not die. You know why I know that? Because when I read in the book of Revelation, I see where prayers were called back. I read in the book of Revelation where tears are bottled up. So I know that when I pray, it doesn't matter what I feel, it doesn't matter how I feel, God hears my prayer. Now, He may not answer at that moment, or He may not move in the way that I want Him to move at that particular time, but prayers never die. Never, never die. And so, our prayers, you never pray in vain. You know something that I've been struck with, uh, the last few weeks. And I, I thought I might preach about it one night. But the things that God did not say. We have a book full of things that he did say. But there were there's a lot of things God didn't say. But this is what I do know. What he did say. He meant. And this is what I have come to understand about God. God will not ask me to believe him. First of all, if it's not possible for me to believe Him, but more important than that, if believing in Him did not result in something. God would not ask me to ask of Him something when that asking would not produce anything. God would not encourage me or challenge me to do anything or to be anything and there not be a benefit for doing that. So when the Bible said, pray without ceasing, I shouldn't look at that verse and say, oh man, that wears me out just thinking about it. I should try my best to be in an atmosphere of prayer continually in my life because God would not ask me to do that without there being some benefit that comes with that. God is not going to ask me to have faith in Him if faith in Him is not going to produce something. Does that make sense? God's not going to ask you to step out by faith if He's not going to be willing to follow up that faith with a work that only He can do. That's what faith is. It is seeing the unseen, seeing the invisible, and reaching out and taking hold of it and holding on to it until it becomes visible. But God is not going to ask me to do something that He, in turn, is not going to bless and so James approaches this subject of prayer and he 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 mentions many aspects of prayer here. He talks about the afflicted, and he, he even mentions those who are married, those who are sick. And just understand that afflicted that is mentioned in verse number uh uh verse number thirteen is different than the word sick that's mentioned in verse number fourteen. He's talking about two different things that go on in the human arena but he he talks about all of these areas of prayer and then he 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 just he makes the, the the strong emphasis that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much and then immediately he goes into this thing about Elijah Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are and so I got to looking at that recently and I want you to, if you have your Bibles, flip over to uh, 1 Kings chapter 17 because that's where we're first introduced to Elijah. The Bible said he was a man subject to like passions as we are. He was like us in our feelings. But Elijah is an enigmatic figure. He, he, he's a mystery because he comes out of nowhere, it seems. And when he comes out of... We don't read anything about him prior to chapter 17. And, and obviously he's been around for some time. He's not a young man per se. He, he's got something to say. He's a prophet. Out of nowhere he seems to come. He steps on to the scene and he speaks what God tells him to speak. And that is that it's not going to rain until he says so. And then he disappears. And uh, God directs him where to go to the brook Cherith and and, uh, he, he provides for him, uh, and, and in that moment when he speaks, he, he declares some very severe things. He said that there's not gonna be any dew or rain according to my word. And then he just vanishes. And when you begin to look at Elijah from that point on, you see a man who at one time seems to be a prophet of iron. He is, he is fearless he he stands before ahab the ruler uh, of, of the nation and without fear or without any kind of reservation declares there's going to be a drought in this country until i say there's going to be rain again and uh he he is bold to rise up and to speak the word of god and to shut the heavens And then when you follow him on further, how God provided for him, he took him to a brook, and then he took him to a widow, and then he brings him back to Ahab again, and how bold he was, how fearless he was before all of that. He, he never seemed to blink an eye. He never was afraid of what God called him to do. He seemed to be a prophet of iron. His life is marked by a passion and a zeal. But at the same time, when you continue reading, you soon find that he is also a man who has flaws and he has weaknesses. And he he truly is a man subject to like passions as we are. He was afraid of a woman by the name of Jezebel. He was intimidated by her. He was so fearful of her... That when she made declaration that she was going to do to him what he had done to the prophets of Baal, he ran off and hid. And he prayed that God would cause him to die. Let him he just, just take my life. There's nothing worth living for anymore. Here this woman is. And so we see this volatility in his life. We see him rising and falling. That's why... When James wrote about him, he said he is a man subject to like passion as we are. There are times when it's so easy to pray. When there's times when, when, when we, when we can get down before God. And I mean, instantly we're in the spirit and everything we say, everything we speak, it just flows out of a fervent heart. And then there's times when we labor in prayer, when we pray and nothing, there's no feeling, there's no witness, there's no presence. There, there, there's no seeming evidence that God is even listening, that God is somewhere on another side of the planet. And so we're overwhelmed with this feeling. We have he he was a man just like that he knew ups and downs he knew what it was to be bold and he knew what it was to be a, a man who proclaimed the word of god and declared what god said and then he also knew what it was to be fearful and to to retract his steps and go back and wish he could die what i i don't want to focus on that part of him what i do want to focus on tonight for just a few moments is his prayer and some things that I learned about prayer from, from Elijah. The things that I have learned about praying from this man, Elijah, who is a man subject to like passion as we are. Number one, I found that being a man of prayer, he was first and foremost a man of faith. He was a man of faith. Everybody say, a man of faith. Why is that important? Because whatever you speak in prayer is what you're going to get in prayer. Amen. Whatever you speak in prayer, He spoke in the midst of famine, when there was no rain, when there was no side of rain, when it was dry, when it was cloudless, when it was calm, when it was clear. When there wasn't one indication that a rain cloud was a million miles from where he was at. He was a man of faith. And his mouth spoke those words of faith. He said, it is going to rain. It's going to rain abundantly. And it's going to come down in bucketfuls. He had Faith that God was going to do what He said He was going to do. And if I am going to be effective in my prayer life, I can never discount the power of faith. What I actually speak in my prayer, what I actually say in my prayer... That I must have that element of faith. There's got to be something in me that when I'm praying about a situation, it may be dry, there may not be a cloud in the sky, there, not, there may not be a feeling anywhere to confirm what I'm wanting what I'm praying about, but I speak that in faith. There is, he said to Elijah, or he said to Ahab, get up and make your way into town. And celebrate because I hear a sound of abundance of rain. There wasn't a cloud anywhere. There wasn't a trinkle of water. There wasn't dew. There wasn't moisture. The humidity wasn't up. There was no indication that anything he said was about to happen. But he spoke it anyway. If your prayer is going to be effectual. There's got to be something in faith that speaks out and declares, God, you said, and I'm standing on that word, and he spoke in the midst of his famine, in the midst of the dry, cloudless day. He said, I hear a sound of abundance of rain. The land was dry, the place was desolate, The place was arid, but God's promises are yea and amen. And God said that He was going to make it rain. That's what He brought me out of hiding to tell Ahab. And so I am declaring what God's Word and what God has promised. And that's what I'm standing on. And so there was that element of faith. Everybody say faith. Praise God. Faith. There's got to be in our prayer that word of confidence. But the second thing that I learned from Elijah is that faith is not always enough. Sometimes there is something beyond even faith that has to be a part of our prayer. And that is that we are not disappointed or that we are not disillusioned with our disappointments. That we don't let disappointment disillusion us. And you say, Brother, what do you mean by that? I mean simply this. That when when Elijah announced that he, he heard a sound of abundance of rain. There wasn't a rain cloud anywhere. There wasn't anything that was indicative of that. But he spoke it anyway. And then the Bible said that he went up into the mountain and he got down on his knees and he put his face between his knees and he spoke to his servant and he said, I want you to go and look out the mouth of the cave and tell me what you see. And you know the story. The Bible said the servant came back the first thing and he said, I see nothing. I see nothing. You know, the hardest thing for us to do is to continue praying when there is a disappointment in our expectation. You know what? I really believe, I sincerely believe that when Elijah put his knees between, or his face between his knees and he bowed in prayer before God, I sincerely believe that Elijah believed that when the servant came back, he was gonna see, I see a cloud, I see black cloud, I see dark cloud. I can, I am convinced that he would not have sent him to look if he did not expect to see something but what happens when you pray and you send the servant to see and there's nothing what happens when you pray and you've spoken words of faith he's already told everybody there's going to be a sound of abundance of rain what do you do when you pray and you have sought god and 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 nothing has happened You've gotta be like Elijah. You cannot be disillusioned by disappointment. I've prayed for it, Brother Hughes, and nothing has happened. I've prayed for it over and over again. Well, I've come to tell you, pray again. I've come to tell somebody here tonight, I don't care how long you've been praying about it, pray some more about it. If the answer, if God gave you a promise and God gave you a word, don't ever go back on that word and don't ever drop that promise. You just keep going back again and again and again and again and again. He had to send His servant seven times before He saw what He was looking for. Sometimes if we don't see it in a service or two, we quit. If we don't see it in a week or two we quit. What about 7 weeks or 7 months or 7 years or 7 decades holding on praying anyway. That's the prayer that affects much. That when you go and you speak that word, God's going to do this. God's going to God's promised this. God has assured me this. And then nothing happens. We get embarrassed. We act like it's our fault. We act like we've that, that, that it's our responsibility to do that prayer. Our responsibility is not to answer the prayer. Our responsibility is to pray the prayer. Our responsibility is to have the faith that God is able to do what we're praying about. God's going to keep His end of the bargain. And so when Elijah put his face down between his knees, he said, I want you to go and tell me what you see. The servant came back and he said, I see nothing. He said, well then go again. And he prays a little more earnestly he comes back he said what do you see i saw nothing and so he keeps sending him and he keeps sending him and he keeps looking until he sees what he's looking for disappointment disappointed once disappointed twice disappointed three times disappointed four times when what's your limit Where where do you quit? Where do you give up and say, brother, I'm tired of praying. It don't work. What's your number? He prays. He goes the fourth time, nothing. He goes the fifth time, nothing. He goes the sixth time, you know what? Six is enough for anybody. I've had my patients stretched out as thin as they can be stretched by the use. I thought you said God answered prayer. Elijah come back, or he, the servant come back to Elijah the sixth time. He said, nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, the disappointment of nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. The discouragement of nothing. When you pray earnestly and you believe God diligently and nothing happens, what do you do? You go back and pray again. You go back and pray again. Brother Hughes, I don't understand it. Neither do I. But I know this, God would not ask me to do something that I was not capable of doing, number one. And He would not ask me to do something that He is not willing to respond to. And so I cannot be discouraged with nothing. Some of us right now have nothing. We've been praying and there's nothing. We've been believing and there's nothing. We've been looking and there's nothing. And we're coming again tonight and we don't see anything. But I've come to tell someone here tonight, maybe I'm talking to myself. Hughes, you need to pray again. You need to pray again. You need to send again. And you keep sending and you keep praying until an answer comes. Amen. He said seven times he had to send. Him. Seven times. Maybe it was a literal seven times. Maybe it was a spiritual seven times. You know, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, so... I I would think that we were talking about seven literal time, but what if it was 70 times seven? Isn't that what the Lord talked about us forgiving our brother? I don't think seven is just an exact number. I think seven is a principle. Seven is God's number. Seven is the number of divinity. It's the number of perfection. And so when God said, there's seven tries, there were seven dips in in the river Jordan before Naaman ever came up a clean, whole man. Now I can tell you right now, he was already aggravated. He had already argued with Elijah. He had already gotten mad and stomped off and said... I'm not going to Jordan. I've got all kind of rivers, far power and all these other rivers that are clean and pure and beautiful and I could go dip in them and he's telling me to go dip in the muddy Jordan River and he goes away. He's mad. He just stops out of there like oh, at least he could have come out and said something. At least he could have come out and waved his hand over me. He didn't even do that. The, the prophet of God just sent his servant and said go tell him to dip seven times in the river Jordan. And so finally, a little maiden comes up from the back and says, "You know, sir, if if he had asked you to do some great exploit, you would have jumped at it. If he had asked you to bend over backwards and touch your toes, you would have shown him you could do it. But all he asked you to do is just go dip in the river seven times." So here I see, I see Naaman. He comes down to that muddy river. He's still around wow, this muddy, and he wades off out in that river, and it's muddy and it's flowing. It's, 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 it's just everything opposite of what those were in his home, and so he, he goes down. He's a leper. He's a great man, but he's a leper. He goes down the first time he comes up, he looks at himself, and nothing changed, except his clothes are wet, and he's ruined a good suit. He goes down the second time. What's your number, folks? What's your number? He goes a second time, nothing happens. The third time he goes down, surely he's going to start seeing something. The fourth time he goes down, surely something ought to start moving. The fifth time, surely there ought to be some kind of... I mean, there ought to be at least some inkling that something's about to happen to him. Nothing changes until he goes down that seventh time. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Goes down that seventh time. And when he comes up, the Bible said that his flesh was like the flesh of a baby. I'm asking you again, what's your number? Elijah said, I don't have a number. You just keep going back until I see what I need to see. I'm going to keep praying until I see what I need to see. I'm going to keep sending Until I see what I need to see. I'm going to keep requesting. Until I see what I need to see. The last thing that I noted about Elijah and his prayer. Is that he showed us how to act and respond when God did send an answer. Now I want to ask you a question. Elijah had told Ahab. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Now, I don't know about you, but my understanding of the word abundance means a lot. Now, when I'm thinking of abundance, I'm I'm thinking about the whole heavens being black. What happens when you make some declaration of faith and God's answer to your prayer is just a cloud about the size of a man's hand? You know what? A lot of people will will not even recognize that that's God in that cloud. Because they have said, what happens when the answer to your prayer doesn't match your faith level? I mean, your faith level, his faith level is at max. I mean, he's just he stands up before Ahab or tells a servant, he said, you go tell Ahab, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And now he's been praying seven times. He sends his servant a seventh time. He gets an answer. But it wasn't the answer he was looking for. It was just a cloud the size of a man's hand. You know what? There would be enough people that I know that would get mad at God. But you see, that cloud that was the size of a man's hand, or like a man's hand, was indicative of God's purpose. And so that's all Elijah needed. All he needed was to see God's purpose. And he jumped and started running. Before the heavens were filled with blackness and darkness from the clouds and the thunder and the lightning. Before there was just a small little cloud out on the horizon that wasn't any bigger. My interpretation is that what he saw out there was about that size right there. But that's all Elijah needed. He just needed to know that God was working. And he got up from his prayer and he started acting on the fact that God was working. You know what's wrong with a lot of us? God has brought some indications into our life. He has put some indicators in our life. They're just little things. They're clouds on the horizon. And they look like a man's hand. And we just keep sitting back wondering, I wonder why God's not answering my prayer. I wonder why God's not heard me. I wonder why God's not doing this. When the truth is there's a cloud. There's an indicator out there on the horizon and right now that's just waiting for me to get up off my depth and start acting like god has answered my prayer amen and so elijah all that he needed was just god to indicate he was going to do something and he got up and started moving he got up and started running he's He sent word that Ahab, you better get away from your party. You better get into the city because this. And and then the Bible speaks about him being overpowered. God anointed him and he ran before Ahab. He outran a chariot 20 miles into the city. Now, folks, I'm talking that's moving on. Now you can tell me what you want to tell me, but there is no human being that can outrun a chariot 20 miles. Unless somebody is empowered with something from God. Where did that come from? It came from a man that reached out to a little indicator out there. He just saw a cloud like a hand. He just saw a tiny little visible glimpse on the horizon. But he said, that's all. I, God, you don't have to fill the heavens with cloud. I believe you're working. And he got up and started moving and acting. I wonder what would happen around Greater Life Church if some of us would just open our eyes and see the indicators that God's put on On our horizon. That are indicative of what he wants to do. And what he's about to bring to pass in our life. I wonder what would happen if some of us would start responding to that. Amen. A cloud like a man's hand. He got up and he started moving. And God anointed him. And God touched him in such a way that he moved faster. Than even a chariot. Sometimes all that comes is just an indicator. All that shows up on the horizon is just a tiny little cloud, just a little speck out there. But that's all that he needed. Amen. That's all that he needed. He knew that that was an indication of what God was about to do. And he said, that's what I've been looking for. Amen. You know what? I I am convinced there are some spiritual indicators around this church that we have not picked up on yet. We've seen a lot of other things, but we're not seeing those indicators. And when you start responding to the indicators, when you start responding to those small things that God begins to do and show and present himself in, The other things that you desire. Those words of faith. The abundance comes. Amen. The abundance came, but it didn't come until he responded to that small little thing that God began to do in his life. Amen. I wonder what small thing God has been doing in some of our lives that if we would just begin to respond to it. It would bring an abundance into our life. It would bring an overflow into our life. It would bring more than we could even imagine. I wonder what would happen if we just started responding to those little indicators. I love it. You can stand with me if you will. Many years ago, I, I was preaching in the, the state of Mississippi. And, and uh, there, was a, there was a particular lady... That was a member of one of the churches there in Jackson, Brother Tommy Craft's church. She was, she was a powerful spiritual lady, walked with God, great lady of prayer. But I remember Brother Tommy Craft talking about her, and uh, he made this statement. He said, you know, if God moved three counties over, Sister So-and-So knew about it. Now, how could that be? Unless she had learned what Elijah learned. That you keep sending back until you get an answer. And sometimes the answer isn't always what you're looking for. But if you see something on the horizon, take it as an indicator. What would happen around Greater Life Church? If we quit waiting for the rain clouds to fill the heavens... And we just started responding to the little things that show up here and there. What kind of abundance would that produce? What kind of outpouring would come to our church and to people's lives if we would just start responding? Amen. Praise God. What happens when your level of faith is not matched by the answer to your prayer? What happens when... What you've said was going to happen (laughs) doesn't happen like that. When, When all that comes is just a cloud like a man's hand. I am convinced tonight that if Elijah had not gotten up from his prayer and responded to what God put on the horizon, I am convinced tonight that we would have read a different story about a man named Elijah. I am convinced tonight that if Elijah had not responded and he had just kept down, okay, go one more time, there's got to be more than that. Go one more time, there's got to be. i got to feel more than that, Brother Hughes. i got to have more than that. I am convinced that God would have caught, he would have taken that cloud away and he would have left it like it was. Praise God. I want to be a man like Elijah. In my prayer, amen. In my prayer, I want to be a man like Elijah. I want to have faith. I want to speak faith. I don't want to be disappointed when the answer doesn't come in the time that I want. But more than that, when God sends an indicator, I want to learn how to respond to God's indicators. Amen. If God just a wing from an angel just kind of brushed by this place, I want to just like a while ago you re, I responded you that to the static on the line. I, if God just comes by, I want to respond to that. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm I, I think God gets weary with us sometimes. That it, it takes a jackhammer to get us off the pew. It takes a sledgehammer to get our attention. It takes a two before between the eyes before we sit up and pay attention. God sends these little indicators in our life. There's a cloud out there. I want to tell somebody, there is a cloud. It's just like a man's hand. It's on the horizon. But if you'll start responding to that, if you'll start acting on that, there's going to be an abundance that's going to follow. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we need you tonight. We need you now more than we've ever needed you before.